Hello, and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield. I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, blogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. I cannot even believe it's been two years since I published Oops, I Became a Manager. On September 12th, 2020, I nervously hit the publish button and waited to see if anyone would buy my book. And now two years later, I can officially say, yeah, a couple people might have bought my book. In fact, a lot of you bought my book. Pinch me. I'm absolutely stunned and I'm in awe and I'm humbled by everyone's generosity and support of my little book with the unicorn cover on it. It's been a wild ride, but I started to ask myself, how the hell did I get here? It's been crazy. If you had told me when I started in veterinary medicine, at some point you're going to publish a book. At some point, people are going to come up to you and want to take a picture with you. At some point, people are going to know who you are. I would have said, no way. There's not a shot in hell I am going to ever do any of those things. So how the hell did I get here? And I thought I would take this podcast to just reflect on this crazy wild ride called veterinary medicine that I've embarked on. So I really started in wildlife management, and that was a mistake. I started off in the University of Maine in Orono sometime in the 90s. We'll just put that out there. And it was not a good major. Very quickly in my first year of college, I realized I was not meant to count deer in a field. I just wasn't. It wasn't anything that I was interested in. I had always known I wanted to work with animals, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. But I did know I did not want to be a veterinarian. It was the fear of having to do surgery, of cutting into an animal and diagnosing. I just really didn't think that was of interest to me. So I embarked on wildlife management, and as I said, it was not the major for me. But I did have a lot of fun partying my first year of college, and I made some great friends, and I learned a lot about myself. But unfortunately, two weeks into my college semester, I received a letter in my college mailbox that said, due to budgetary constraints, your major of veterinary technology has been canceled. I was flabbergasted. Not only did I receive this letter, but it had been predated about three to four weeks before I even came to college, which means the college knew they were going to cancel the major. So they didn't inform me of this until I was already two weeks in. And the kicker, there was 0% refund because, well, we were already in a semester and unfortunately they canceled it and didn't tell me until two weeks in, so they told me they were going to offer me nothing for a refund. I was stuck at the school for a semester with no major. I was furious. Needless to say, I sat down with three University of Maine presidents, Bangor, Augusta, and Orono. Yes, all three presidents bothered to sit down with me because it turns out I got very loud and vocal about the injustice that they had caused to me. They did a lot of apologizing, and they found me a school in Massachusetts called Becker College. However, I needed to finish out my semester at the University of Maine in Orono because I had paid for college. They still were not going to refund me my money, and I was stuck there. They did go ahead and pair us up with some medical courses out of the University of Maine of Augusta, and I remember dissecting a cow eyeball, and I was hooked. In that moment, I was like, this is what I want to do. It's the coolest thing ever. I will never forget it. And so after that semester, I transferred to Becker College. And at the time, there was no bachelor's program. There were just associates of science. And I luckily had enough transferring credits that in my two and a half years of Becker College, I actually completed both veterinary technology and an animal science degree. So I graduated with two associates of science degrees. 
I entered a general practice and luckily it was a wonderful general practice. The veterinarian there utilized technician skills to the fullest and while I was one of the only credentialed veterinary technicians at the time, he let us do everything we possibly could and he really challenged us. I was angry with him because at one point he decided he wanted to go on and get a residency to become a boarded surgeon. I was angry. Why couldn't he just stay at this happy, wonderful general practice and be a good doctor, be a general practice doctor? But I look at that now and still maintain a relationship with this individual and I laugh because only a few short years after he left, I left and I went into specialty medicine. I found myself really loving emergency medicine. The hit by cars that would come into my general practice, we had to manage those. There wasn't a lot of emergency practices near us. And while I certainly don't wish trauma or illness on any animal, when it came into the hospital, I wanted to be the one who was going to help fix that pet. To me, it was like a math puzzle. Like I needed to figure out how to solve the problem before the animal decided to die or take a turn for the worst. And it was absolutely exhilarating and terrifying all at the same time. So I decided to leave my wonderful privately owned general practice and go into specialty medicine. And I thrived. I loved everything about emergency medicine. And that's where I decided to take a leap of faith and become a veterinary technician specialist. I did an entire podcast on VTS, and so if you're not familiar with, please check it out. I would highly encourage all of you to decide whether or not that's the right career path for you. It was absolutely one of the best decisions I've ever done in my entire life. Around that same time, as I was going for my VTS, I started wanting to publish. And I know a lot of you are thinking, that's a weird trajectory, but it wasn't for me. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I was actually the editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper. I've always loved to write. I still have the very first book I ever wrote. And by book, I mean it was basically pieces of paper I had printed out on a dot matrix computer. It looks really old, and it's funny. It was about my dog, Molly, when she passed away, and I was only 13 years old, and it was about her life. It's very dramatic, actually. I look back at some of it, and it's cute. It's funny. But... I printed out on a computer and then actually taped it to the inside of a bound blank book and that was how I created a book. And then I put a whole bunch of taped pictures in there and it's it's actually adorable. I'm so happy my parents kept it for me because that technically was my first book. Was it published? No, uh, but I did create a book at the age of 13. So I always liked to write. And my grandmother happened to be a librarian, and she would say things to me like, just don't become a writer, Amy. There is no money in writing. You need to do something else with your career. Just promise me you'll never become an author. And uh, sorry, Grandma, I actually did become an author, so I know she's smiling, and she's probably eating her words right now, but uh, I'll, I'll have a conversation with her the next time I see her. So uh, regardless, I've always been a writer at heart. For me, Writing is easier than speaking to people, and I know that comes of shock to many of you because here I am on a podcast and I'm speaking to all of you, and for those of you who have seen me lecture at conferences, I seem very comfortable. The reality is, is I'm an introvert, and as a kid, I was very awkward. I was nerdy. I was geeky. Yep, absolutely. Didn't have a ton of friends, got made fun of an awful lot. And I struggled with socializing, so I wrote, and I kept diary entries, and I got creative with my writing. It was a great outlet, and it was a way for me to 
connect with the world when speaking and language and socialization was difficult at times. And when I got into college, it was no different. I wanted to continue to publish and be involved with writing in some way. And so I actually went to their new newspaper club, but I was declined. They didn't have any spots open for new journalists. And I was actually a little disappointed. I thought, I have some street cred. I published my high school newspaper. Now you have to understand, my high school graduating class only had 52 kids, so it's hardly bragging rights. But they declined me. I was distraught. But when I went to Becker College, I actually went out on a limb again and said, hi, here's my street cred. I would like to be involved in the newsletter. And within six months, I became the editor-in-chief. The reality was that the Becker College newspaper needed a lot of help. So I was thrilled. I got to take this on and create a entire newspaper for an entire college and people enjoyed it. I rocked the boat. I wrote, you know, these risque articles about sex and things that the college had never permitted before and I just went ahead and did it. And I was excited about it because it got my passion back out there and it was a way for me to connect with people without actually having to talk to that many people. So here I was out of college. I had now gone into specialty medicine and it didn't feel right that I wasn't publishing or contributing in some way to society through words. So I reached out to Vet Tech Magazine. That journal is no longer being published, but at the time it was the Bible, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. They said, yeah, we could be interested in an article from you, unknown publisher Amy Newfield. Uh, what do you've got in mind? So my very first article was titled The Spleen. I know, guys, the title is riveting. I can't believe anyone actually read it. But somewhere in my house, I have a copy of my very first journal article, and it is so boring. It was so technical, but I found interest in hemangiosarcomas, hemoabdomens, and wanted to write an article about the pathophysiology of really what does the spleen do and some of the events that can occur with it. So yeah, it was literally titled The Spleen. So boring. I can't believe they published it. But I was thrilled. Here it was a actual article I wrote in the most popular magazine for veterinary technicians. I was hooked. I needed to become more involved in writing, so I started writing even more. So here I am contributing to the Vet Tech Magazine, and you've got to pinch me because that was such a huge deal and still is a huge deal. And I'm going to conferences, I've got my VTS, and there are some really well-known vet tech speakers in the industry. At the time, especially in the early 2000s, it was unusual for veterinary technicians to be educating other veterinary technicians at conferences. A lot of doctors educated veterinary technicians. They talked down to us. They didn't understand what we did. And there were very few vet tech tracks. You would go to conferences and you were lucky if on one day out of a three-day conference, there was a day that was dedicated to veterinary technicians. But there were some great names, Harold Davis, Nancy Shafron, just to name a few. And I remember thinking, wow, these veterinary technicians are lecturing and educating other veterinary technicians. How did they get there? How did they do what they're doing? And I don't know what possessed me to reach out to Nancy Shafron, but I did. I sent her an email and was like, hi, my name is Amy Newfield. You don't know me, but how do you get to become a speaker on a stage? What does that look like? And she literally said to me, well, I suggest that you enter the case report challenge at IVAX. This was in 2005. And I thought, 
okay, I have no idea what that is, but I'm going to go ahead and look it up. And essentially, it's a 15-minute case report, and you have 12 minutes to give your case report and then three minutes for questions and answers. I was terrified. I did not like public speaking. My parents had forced me to do theater in high school, and I did not enjoy it. It was not fun at all. So I did a tiny bit of theater work, realized that that was not for me, but what I did realize is that I had the ability to memorize lines, and I was grateful for that experience because I knew that in order to get through this very torturous 12-minute presentation, I was going to have to memorize every single line. There was no way that I was going to survive this experience if I did not have everything absolutely memorized. I must have practiced my case report a hundred times, and that's not a joke. I literally treated it as if it was a stage play. I put infliction in my voice, I practiced it line by line, and then I went to IVEX. And there in front of me was Nancy Shafron and another panel of amazing judges that were icons in the veterinary technician field. And they're staring at me. And they said, okay, Amy, go ahead and present your case report. I did a death grip on the podium, and 12 minutes later, I finished. I must have not done too terribly because I was awarded the winner of the case report challenge for 2006. I was in shock. Nancy came up to me and said, I did a great job. And would I be interested in presenting an entire hour on ischemia reperfusion for next year's IVEX? I didn't know what to say. But for those of you who know Nancy Shafron, what you do know is you do not say no to that woman. So I remember just kind of saying, yes, thank you so much. But in my head, I was like, oh my God, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I think I'm going to die. Because getting through 12 minutes was one thing. Getting through an entire hour on a stage at the biggest emergency critical care conference in the world, no way. This, I was going to die. I was sure of it. So I had an entire year to prepare for it, and I prepared a lot, and I took the same exact approach. I was going to memorize every line, I was going to go ahead and get through this, and then I swear I was never going to go ahead and lecture again. So 2007, Amy Newfield stood on IVEX's stage and presented ischemia and reperfusion injury. I remember the first 20 minutes not having a clue of what was happening. In fact, it was kind of an out-of-body experience, but about 20 minutes in, I remember kind of coming to watching the fact that my hands were still moving in the direction that I wanted them to move because I had even practiced my hand movements. Someone had told me, as an aside, never hold on to a laser pointer if you are a new uh, speaker because you would actually seem like you're having a seizure up there. And that is true words. If you are a new speaker, do not hold on to a laser pointer because trust me, it's going to look like you are actually having a seizure because your hands are shaking and then so is the red laser dot or the green laser dot that is shaking all over your screen. So I was very happy someone gave me those words of advice. But I did include the infliction in my hand movements just like a stage play. So even though I hated theater in school, I am eternally grateful that my parents forced me to join the Wizard of Oz play and managed to get through that. So thank you, Mom and Dad, because it actually turned out to launch my speaking career. At the end of that lecture, there were some pretty well-known veterinary technicians sitting in that audience, and they came up to me afterwards thanked me for presenting and asked me if I would want to present again on more topics the following year. And stupidly, I said, yes, <laughs> I don't know really what I was doing at this point. So now I'm publishing and I'm speaking and the year is 2007 and I'm a VTS and things are going pretty well in my career. 
At this point in my career, I've also held several different positions, and I've actually been a manager in several different practices, and the great experience, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And at this point, I am now a technician manager of a emergency privately owned specialty hospital in Massachusetts. It was actually a position that was awarded to me. This time I didn't oops my way into it, but it was more or less thrown at me, and I felt a lot more comfortable than I was in my previous leadership roles. But I was handed a team that was very toxic with about 60% turnover and I needed help. So I started diving into the art of managing and leading people. And it was eye-opening. Prior to this, I again, like I said, I oops my way into it. That's the title of my book. I didn't know what I was doing, and I can't say I was the worst manager, but I made some major, major mistakes. This time I wanted to get it right, and this role was given to me, and it was kind of a big deal role. So I started reading, I started coaching myself, I started going to weekend seminars, and I started to truly find a passion for coaching and mentoring people. If you had asked me in the 90s where I was going to be at this point in my career, leading people would have not been on that list. I went into veterinary medicine because didn't really connect with people. I was socially awkward. Writing was my outlet. People were very difficult for me to manage and deal with. So if you had said, you're going to start coaching people, I would have been like, hell to the no. There's no way I'm managing a team of people. But I found myself really loving it. I mean, it's 2007 and I really started to connect with the human side of things. I saw that veterinary medicine was broken. I saw that veterinary teams were broken. And all I wanted was to work in a healthy, happy workplace environment. And I knew I needed to do something different. I knew things needed to change. So I started educating myself so that I could become a better technician manager. And that's the truth of how I got into leadership and management the right way. Prior to that, I was in leadership roles, but I can't say it was the right way. Again, I was my first leadership role only two years out of college. That was so silly. I mean, I look back and I think, well, what was I doing? I wasn't doing anything great, that's for sure. So I was determined to make sure that I did it the right way. And it was an amazing leadership experience. It wasn't just about my own personal growth. It was about also getting to help a team and watching this team go from complete toxicity to literally rainbows and unicorns was one of the career highlights. And then I decided to take a leap of faith and do something a little different. So I took a larger role for a company and really started to drive my initiatives on a larger scale. How could I create change for 50, 60, 70, 80 plus hospitals? How could I make a difference in a global scale. And so I started focusing on developing career paths, creating mentorship programs. I dove into changing salaries. And while I can't say I blew them up and changed the entire world, I definitely improved them. And that was so exciting. I created programs where we paid for 90% of someone's education. It was pretty exciting stuff that I was doing but I was still seeing a lot of dysfunction in the veterinary industry. And while I was making small impacts for a lot of people, I just saw the entire industry was broken. And I looked at my own trajectory and all of the trials and tribulations that I've gone through. And I started looking at how can I help others? How could I help others on a global scale? I started looking at what resources were out there. And I know that when I was looking for resources, there wasn't anything written for me. There just really wasn't. And I thought to myself, 
there's a need for people to share information about their own personal experiences and what has worked and what hasn't worked to help others. Because we go into these leadership roles. We go into becoming a tech manager, a supervisor, a medical director, a practice manager, a client service represented supervisor or manager, and no one helps us. We just get put in these roles and we're given a title and we're told Godspeed. And I thought, there needs to be a resource. Am I that crazy to write that resource? So I started kind of tinkering around and putting some stuff down. And then it became a mission. It became a passion. And I think social media helped to push me even further because online, there were some pretty offensive and horrible things, you know, from bullying to major dysfunctions to payroll injustices to not getting breaks to I'm in a manager role and I'm never allowed any time off the floor to actually manage people. I don't even know why I'm in this role. And I just thought, okay, I need to go all in. And so I went all in. The reality is, is I spent about two years reaching out to publishers and pitching my ideas. Now it's interesting because publishers would come to me. They would ask me for my ideas. And over the years, I pitched several books to them. Uh, there was one that almost got picked up. It was on disaster medicine, but a very well-known veterinarian beat me to the punch, and rightfully so. It was a doctor writing a book about disaster medicine, so he had way more street cred than I, and I, he was pretty famous. So he went on to publish that book, and in hindsight, I'm okay that my book on disaster medicine never got picked up for publishing. It's totally fine. But when I was pitching this book, suddenly people didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want Amy Newfield to be writing about management and leadership. They wanted Amy Newfield to write about emergency medicine. And there were plenty of books on emergency medicine. At the time, Bataglia's book was out for emergency medicine for veterinary technicians. There's plenty of other literature on emergency medicine. But a lot of these publishing companies told me they didn't see a market for my little book. There was just no way it was going to sell. It wasn't of interest. And could I please write something on medical? And I said, no, I wanted to write this book on management, leadership, and basically how to create a healthy, happy veterinary team. They didn't believe in me, but I believed in myself. And I decided, you know what? I think that there is a market and there is a need because I know that when I was looking for help, there was nothing. So I took a leap of faith on myself and I think I was completely crazy and I decided to go ahead and write a book. I wrote a book and I didn't know anything about how to publish a book. <laughs> Thankfully, we have the internet people and I did a lot of searching. I looked at literal books of how to write books. And I did a lot of reviewing of articles and blogs and podcasts and figuring out how I was going to do this. I hired an editor. I had to figure out how does one hire an editor? And their, the editor pricing is all over the charts. Let me just tell you, they are super cheap and then they're super expensive. So I went somewhere in the middle. I was a veterinary technician, not making a lot of money and working multiple jobs. I was fortunate because one of my part-time jobs was speaking gigs. So as a speaker of uh, conferences, you do get paid for speaking. So I'm eternally grateful that that's been a part-time job for many, many years. But prior to me really taking off at speaking at conferences, I held two vet tech jobs. One was a full-time, one was a part-time, and I was lecturing. So here I was lecturing, picking up part-time, also working a full-time job, and now I wanted to write a book. So I definitely didn't have a lot of money for the most expensive editors, but I found a guy and he did it on the side and I'm eternally grateful. So he gave me some pointers and helped me edit my book. 
And then I'm eternally grateful to my mother who believed in me. I think she thought I was completely crazy. I remember having a conversation and saying, hey, I was wondering if you could read a book that I wrote because I'm thinking about self-publishing. I don't know what really went through her head. She would probably think I was completely crazy, but she never told me as such. And she said, sure, I'll give you my opinion. And she came back with her opinion and her thoughts. And she said, it's not too bad for a mom to say that. It's not too bad. All right, let's do this. I also had a couple of colleagues that I reached out to and said, hey, can you just like hold my confidence and read this book and tell me if it sucks or whether or not I should actually do this crazy thing I'm about to do? And they told me, it doesn't suck. You should move forward with it. So to the, all of those people who believed in me, thank you. Because I had massive imposter syndrome. At the time, and I should go backtrack a little bit, at that point, I've gone on to get a bachelor's of science in business and I went on to get a master's degree in management and leadership. But here I was completing my master's degree in management and leadership and also finishing up this book. And I thought, no one knows who I am. And that was the truth of the matter. I think a lot of people knew who I was for lecturing at conferences, but my social media presence was non-existent until 2020. At that time, I had a Facebook page that I only allowed very close friends and family and on. And I still have that account and I'm sorry, but it is for my close friends and family. You're not missing out much. It's scuba diving photos and pictures of my dog. And I literally have not a single photograph of me. And the weirdest thing that I do is that after I have something up for a week or two, I delete it. My friends and family do not understand why I delete things off my Facebook page. But to me, you've seen it and that's good enough and I pull it off. So uh, for those who are think that you're missing out on my personal page, you are not. It is very boring. I'm a pretty shy individual. But here I was. I'm about to publish a book. I'm going to become a self-publishing author, which in usual terms means you're not going to make any money and no one's going to buy your book. All I wanted to do was sell 25 copies. I just wanted to sell 25 copies to make back the money on my editor. And also I realized I needed a website. I needed to put myself out there. Again, while some people knew who I was, not a lot of people knew who I was at, in 2020. I needed to actually market myself. And I think that was just as terrifying as writing and publishing a book. I went through Amazon because believe it or not, Amazon, shocker, is the largest publishing company in the world. Bigger than Barnes & Noble at the time bigger than anything else. And so I went with the biggest just in hopes of getting 25 copies sold. Amazon actually has what's called KDP publishing services and a large majority of self-publishers go through them. Amazon prints and publishes my book and takes a certain percentage for themselves and then they give a certain percentage to me. And I can assure you that if you are looking to publish a book, if you go through a publishing company, they're going to take a way higher percentage than what Amazon does. So it turns out, folks, it worked out that I was a self-publishing author, but at the time I didn't know it. As a self-published author, you have no marketing behind you. When you go to conferences, Wiley Blackwell, uh, you know, all these other book companies are there and you peruse their books. They also help to advertise for you. They're going to put your name out there. They're going to put Google ads out there. They're going to pay for all of that. I did not have anyone to do that for me. And again, very few people knew who I was. I was Amy Newfield, a speaker. Some people knew me from conferences. At this point, I had been speaking for about 13 years 
but I had zero social media presence, zero. Like I didn't tell a single person on social media when I was speaking. I never took a selfie. I never posted a picture of myself. I had 200 people on my private Facebook page and they were my friends and family. And certainly they would support me, but I needed to get the word out about my book. So I went ahead and formed a company called Vet Team Training. That's right, folks. It's a team of one. That's it. Some of you have reached out to me and you say, hello, veterinary team training. I am hoping to reach Amy Newfield. It's only me, people. That's it. I am vet team training. And I literally created a company, one, so that I could deduct things because that's smart business. And two, so that I could market a book because I am also the publisher of this book. And companies, huge publishing companies, small publishing companies told me it wasn't going to work. And I was going to do everything in my power to prove these people wrong. So I went ahead and on September 12th, 2020, I launched not only my website, but I published a book and I launched my Facebook page and I launched my LinkedIn page. And yeah, I launched all of the things on September 12th of 2020. And then I started thinking, how am I going to get attention? So I did use a little bit of my street cred and I started putting things on other pages. And I said, hey everyone, it's Amy Newfield, remember me? I published a book. A couple people bought it. On the first day, a lot of people bought it. And then the second day, people, more people bought it. And believe it or not, I actually was a bestseller within the first week. I have a screenshot of my book sitting in front of Michelle Obama's book and right behind Simon Sinek's book. I mean, pinch me. I beat Michelle Obama. I mean, she was a best-selling author. She's Michelle Obama. And here's Amy Newfield's book, who had actually beaten her on the bestseller Amazon list. And yes, it was only for a brief time because I think it got knocked off very quickly the next day. But I was next to Simon Sinek and Michelle Obama. Like, I couldn't believe the reception I was getting from the veterinary industry. Pinch me. I literally had cried numerous times at this point. I just, the stress of publishing... Here I was putting myself out there and people started liking my Facebook page. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, hi, I'm a dorky person. <laughs> I wrote a book. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue what I'm doing on social media. And I started writing some blogs. So I started publishing blogs and putting some information out there. I thought if people could see the information that was in my book, they're more likely to buy the book. So I started writing some blogs and then I thought, okay, I'm going to do this crazy podcast thing. I don't know what I'm doing. But people seem to like podcasts, so I'm throwing my hat in the ring for podcasts. My very first podcast, Why Veterinary Teams Need Unicorns. I mean, it was very dorky. I didn't know what I was doing. I, When I do podcasts, just so you guys know, I'm on a Mac computer right now. There's a free program called Audacity. You can Google it. It's free downloadable software. I don't have a lot of podcast equipment. It's just me talking through a microphone to you guys. I don't have anyone cutting and slicing and dicing. I know people who use production companies. In fact, I just did a podcast for someone and they, they said to me at the end of the podcast, well, you know, I mean, now you have to go ahead and have your producer help you with it and make sure it looks really good. And I thought, no, I don't know anything that you're speaking of. I literally just speak words into a microphone. I do very limited editing and I put it out to people. And it's shocking that you guys listen to it. So thank you. I'm eternally humble and grateful. Again, how the hell did I get here? I still have to pinch myself. So at this point, now it's the end of September 
and my book has sold more than 25 copies. It's sold more than 100 copies. It's sold more than 200 copies. And right now, guys, if you really want to know, I'm looking at about almost 10,000 copies. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. This has been one hell of a crazy ride. And I look at my Facebook page and it has over 14,000 likes and over 15,000 followers and it's growing daily. And all I want it to be is a place that people can come and laugh and grab a tidbit of information. Maybe you agree with me or maybe you don't agree with me. That's okay. That's totally fine. I'm, it's a safe space for us to have healthy conversations and healthy debates because that's what veterinary medicine is all about. Sometimes I put some medical stuff there. Sometimes I put some leadership. Sometimes I put some culture and career. The entire mission for myself is just to try to create healthy workplace cultures for people to realize they can thrive in this industry, for people to realize they don't have to take the bullshit. Go find a job that you love. I want people just to be happy because this career has given me so much and it's not without its struggles. There's times I burned out. There was times I've suffered from compassion fatigue. There's times I flat out hated my job and I didn't even know why I was a veterinary technician. But I kept going back to the root of why I went into this industry. I went into this industry because I love animals and I like them, no offense to all of you, more than I like people. I resonated with them. Animals never created any harm to me. They always just liked me for who I was. Even the bees that would sting me or the spiders that scared the shit out of me, they treated me a lot nicer than people did. And so I went into this industry because I wanted to make them better. I wanted them to live longer lives and I wanted to be there for them. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. And it's interesting how one's career takes a complete trajectory and a path that you never thought you would go down. But again, if you had told me that I was going to care so deeply about the people in this industry in my, in my earlier years, I would have been like, oh no, I, there's no way I'm going to care that deeply about people. But I do. I cry a lot over this industry. I cry a lot over the hardships. I cry a lot every time I read sad shit on social media. I cry a lot and I've shed a lot of tears for this industry. And I think that my writing of my book, Oops, I Became a Manager, was simply a way for me to give back because I've gone through some shit. I didn't, I wasn't perfect. I made a shit ton of mistakes and I bobbled along the way and I just wanted to help people. And now, that's right. I am coming out with a second book and I'm going to drop it here on this podcast because yes, I've kind of alluded occasionally to some people on social media that a second book is coming and it's quite true. The rumors are true. A second book is coming probably in the next four to six weeks. I'm not going to make any promises. I'm still tweaking it, but it's in its final stages of tweaking. And I'm excited and I'm terrified all at the same time. Now there's high expectations. You people expect the world. Um, I don't know that it's going to be as good. I don't know that it's going to be as impactful. I have no idea. But what I do know is the content in it is because you guys asked for it. Because you asked for it. And for those of you who filled out the survey at the end of the first book, I heard you and I listened to you. And I have continued to see the issues on social media. And I thought, you know what? Let's go deeper down this rabbit hole. <laughs> and so I'm going down deeper into the rabbit hole, but it's truly a love letter to all of you. And it's because of things I've learned. It's because of recent challenges and past challenges and things I've continued to learn. I'm not perfect. And there's a lot of mistakes that I've made that I threw into this second book. And 
I just look back and I think, how the hell did I get here? I really don't know. But honestly, it's because of all of you and it's because of my love of this veterinary profession. I look back at these past two years and honestly, all I can do is say thank you. Honestly, that's the truth of it. Uh, two years ago, September 10th, 2020, a few people knew me. Uh, a couple people would write about me on social media. But again, I never posted my face or where I was lecturing. I just went, did my thing, and I was pretty quiet. But I had to become an extrovert, and I'm not an extrovert. I'm still very much an introvert. I'm awkward. I'm weird. I, I don't think it's normal when people come up and ask for my picture or my autograph. And I've gotten better with saying thank you, but internally I'm going in my head, this is so weird. I don't know who, why would they want an autograph from me? It's still very socially awkward for me, but I will sign your book if you want. It's just very weird out of body experience every time someone asks me. Um, I never thought you guys would appreciate the book to the level at which you did. And honestly, okay, I had to just cut something out of my podcast because I started tearing up and I actually couldn't talk because I got choked up thinking about it. What I wanted to say was it's overwhelming. Everything that I've experienced in the last two years is overwhelming and I'm not deserving. And I still continue to have massive imposter syndrome. I don't know how the hell did I get here. I really honestly don't know. And it's truly because of all of you and your kind words and your continued encouragement. You literally encourage me every day. I cannot tell you the countless hundreds of people who've reached out to me and shared their personal stories. So thank you. It has been a weird, wild ride. And how the hell did I get here? Thank you to everyone who has supported me. Thank you for the critics. I appreciate you guys as well. You push me, challenge me, um, tell me that, you know, I need to think about things differently. So I always relish the critics as well. It's been a wild to your ride. And thank you. I, I, as an aside, I can't even believe that my little book Oops, I became a manager that again, let me just, I am going to gloat just a tiny bit. Publishing companies said there was no market for, they refused to pick me up. It just won a gold medal under the reader's favorites award. And it was just back at the bestseller list. Like, come on, is this shit real? I just, thank you. I, I, this is all for you, and I hope that you know how truly appreciative it is. I can't thank every single one of you, but I'm trying to do that in this podcast, in my vlogs, and in my blogs. So truly, seriously, and with the most sincerity in the entire world, thank you. It is because of you that I am here today and pinching myself and doing this podcast. I look forward to my next book with complete fear and trepidation, um, but I hope that you guys enjoy it. And if you don't, let me know. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. And as always, because I know you guys are, thank you and keep on being a unicorn.